Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, for today's podcast, we're going to be discussing key market themes and a number of global equities today. And to do that, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Morning, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we're looking at a market uh, here today in London, which is slightly weaker on the ongoing tragedies that are being discovered in Ukraine and the reaction from the West in terms of more sanctions. Um, and there will be an argument that they haven't yet gone far enough. Uh, there's obviously been talk about targeting possibly the oil and gas supplies, uh, but it's a difficult uh, situation because that would, of course, cripple the Russian economy. But at the same time, that would cause severe uh, financial difficulties for uh, particularly many European countries, including ourselves. So we are seeing some weakness out there in the market uh, today. In addition, there has been some more rumblings from the Federal Reserve and some comments out this week that suggest that they are indeed targeting a number of interest rate hikes this year, has, has been the uh, speculation so far um, from many investment bank analysts. There could be up to 200 basis points. We're starting to talk now about a 50 basis point hike in upcoming meetings. That would be a, a sharp move. Of course, the market doesn't like the tighter monetary uh, conditions and possibility of, of, of that tightening forward. So we're seeing some weakness out there today in in markets, Alan. But you know these are topics that we've discussed in some detail mm. on the podcast in uh, in in recent weeks, and nothing's really sort of too much changed there. Um, you know, obviously trading headline to headline yeah. at the moment in, in markets. Um, so I would expect that to continue uh, for the foreseeable future until we see. You know any any real changes on uh, on on the ground in uh, Ukraine, and if we see any changes in the financial conditions, uh, particularly looking at inflation, so it's set to be a a theme for 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 the coming months. So, Alan, now let's move on to um, the stocks that we're going to discuss today. First of which is Twitter has just gained Alan a new substantial shareholder in Elon Musk. Um, interesting move in the uh, in in the share price of Twitter um, earlier on this week, but. It does raise the question, of course, Elon Musk, everything he touches seems to turn to gold. Do you think that's the, the case with Twitter? I think it almost certainly is, uh, John. I mean, Twitter, of course, uh, <laughs> Elon Musk is campaigning. Uh, of course, he put a very, uh, uh, well, I say cleverly worded tweet. He put a tweet up there, a poll, um, asking his followers whether Twitter should have an edit button. And, of course, uh, uh, do you think Twitter should have a, an edit button? Y-S-E or O-N, yes or no. So, of course, deliberate spelling mistakes designed to highlight the issue. And, um, yeah, it's overwhelmingly in favour. And I think all of us who use Twitter actively, of course, I know um, you do uh, with the UK Investor Channels, John, and we do with brand communications um, and Novus communications. Um, And, of course, uh, yeah, it it is incredibly frustrating because you're trying to cram everything into a small message, get it out, and then there's a spelling error. And by the time it's out, somebody's already shared it or retweeted it so you can't take it down so an edit button i think would be a great idea um of course the uh elon musk getting involved um you know the next question is is he going to launch a takeover is elon musk 
does Elon Musk want to, want to sort of build a shareholding up and launch an outright takeover? Um, you know, speculation's going to run rife about this. But um, of course, Twitter is it, it's it's the great platform for disseminating disseminating information fast and quickly and getting information out there fast and quickly. Um, and you know, probably the edit issue is one of the few areas where I think everyone universally would say, yeah, it would be good to do that. And I saw a suggestion for some this morning that, um, of course, edits would have to be logged, but you could have an edit button that would be live, say, for uh, for three or four minutes after the tweet goes out, which enables those that do just put a genuine typo in to make the correction. And then, of course, the edit function goes away. So um, I agree with what he's saying. But, of course, it's great when Elon Musk turns his attention to anything in the markets. It's always with many, many noughts on the end. So um, his involvement always signals a seismic move in the market somewhere. And of course, this is great for the technology sector in general, because speculators will be looking at other platforms that uh, offer social media platforms and speculating, well, he's he's now taken 9% of Twitter. Will will uh, Elon move on and uh, build his holdings up in, in other platforms? Um, all remains to be seen, of course. Indeed. I mean, one thing that's particularly interesting about Twitter is that it, ne- it never was, you know, as highly uh, thought of as, as the fangs, you know, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix and, and Google, of course, you know, Facebook have changed its name to Meta now and Google's mm. now known as, as Alphabet. It, you know, it never quite got into that league of, of being, uh, you know, a sort of a multi, multi-billion dollar um, market cap. And of course, it's worth about 40 billion compared to Facebook worth 600 um, billion in terms of uh, of market cap. I mean, do you think that there is a possibility that, that, that uh, Elon Musk comes in uh, targeting, uh, you know, moving Twitter into that, that sort of league? Or do you think it's, you know, there's an element of a, a sort of passion investment. We all know that he likes to, to tweet, and it and it's somewhat aching to somebody buying a Premier League football club that they that they support. Um, you know, it's a, it's a passion investment. Um, you know, a bit of fun to some extent. I think it, it, it's probably a bit of both. I mean, he of course uh, he sees um, what impact his tweets make on markets, and I mean, <laughs> every time he tweets something. Uh, uh, about an entity that's listed, of course, it's almost like market manipulation. He's got an opinion, um, and therefore up up goes the price. The same has happened with Twitter, but he's bought into the company, and of course, that's an um, an inevitable byproduct of uh, of uh, of about the biggest hitter in the marketplace getting involved. Um, but uh, I think he does care about uh, his um, how his views are represented out there, and. And um, the opportunities that the platforms provide um, is it a bit of fun, possibly? But I think you know, with an eye to the future, um, he wants to make sure that he's got uh, he does have a, 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 a substantial stake in in all the, all of the leading platforms. So, as I said earlier, you know, this could well lead to speculation across other social media platforms that perhaps Musk is trying to build up a, a coordinated position across a number of platforms in order that. His, he can express his views instantly and govern global opinion. Uh, you know, the, the irony is that, um, you know, he's he seemingly wields so much more power than the uh, the the, uh, the presence of some of these, the so-called superpowers out there, because every time he says something, it moves markets and, and moves worlds, literally. But, um, but uh, certainly, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, his involvement is good for the sector. It'll dry the technology space 
higher. So obviously, uh, technology stocks will, uh, will will reap some benefit from that along the way. Indeed, and it will be interesting to see whether we see the return of Donald Trump to Twitter uh, (laughs) with with Elon Musk's uh, involvement. So, yeah, uh, interesting stock to to, to watch going forward as we hear more from Elon Musk and his plans uh, for uh, for, for Twitter. Interesting to look at the way the stock has come back too. So it's down... Uh, down nearly 24% over the past year. But of course, uh, since Elon Musk's involvement, he obviously sees a value opportunity with the stock down where it is. And um, and, and the shares have, obviously have, have, of course, bounced back substantially over the past the past few days. Yes, indeed. I mean, one thing I would not, looking at uh, quarterly reports from Twitter over the past year, I think it was uh, sort of Q4, uh, so Q1 of uh, of last year, they were only generating one uh, well, about one billion in in revenue for for the quarter. The most recent quarter, that's increased by fifty percent to to around one point five billion. So internally, he might see something going there as a business and an opportunity there. It seems as Twitter, you know, as a company, is focusing more on the uh, the revenue side of things, and obviously that, that's going to transpire in, into earnings, which has its own uh, attractions for somebody like uh, Elon Musk if he can add his own. Um, views to uh, the company and how things uh, could turn around. Mm. Uh, so that's, you know, sort of looking at the, the data there. Um, there seems to be growth uh, within Twitter as a, as a business. So I'm sure that's something he wants to push forward as well. So, Alan, um, we're going to move on now to the next company we're going to discuss today. And it's one uh, that regular listeners to the, uh, the, the, the podcast will be familiar with uh, because uh, one of the... Uh, members of the board now in uh, Sapan was uh, on the podcast not too long ago, and they actually presented us our metals and mining conference back in in February. Uh, it's silver in metals at the time. We were looking at a share price that was around sort of 20, 23, 24p. Looking at where it is now, we're trading comfortably above that 40p level, and it traded at about 50p and, and above yesterday. And that was on some some pretty dramatic news and, and game changing news from them in terms of their Cassia uh, titanium rutile project in uh, Malawi. Uh, Alan, now they have the world's largest, according to the the most recent resource estimate, titanium rutile asset in the world. But what else came along with that uh, announcement yesterday, Alan? Well, it, it, it's a sea change announcement, and uh, I know you know uh, Sapan, and I know you've been speaking to him too, John. And Sapan has been very excited and enthused by the prospects for the company. And I was talking to him uh, probably over a year ago about sovereign metals, and uh, and you know he was very bullish about the prospects and talking about rutile, and of course you know. The, that's the thing when you talk about rutile, um, you, you're often more often than not just uh, get a blank stare because people don't really understand what it is. But it is, of course, the the primary source for titanium. You know, it's 95 percent of rutile is titanium uh, 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 dioxide, and of course that um, that is the that's the metal that um, or that's the the uh, uh, the the mineral that uh, will uh, uh, that provides pigment for paint. Um, it provides uh, Titanium for aerospace, for clean tech industry, um, for optics—just an absolute, absolutely nebulous range of of, of solutions. Um, and there is there is a, a well documented shortage of rutile or natural rutile uh, um, um, uh, production facilities in the world. And what happened yesterday, of course, Sovereign Metals uh, 
um, confirmed that the the Cassia Rutar project that covers um, covers a huge area about the size of Bristol. Um, the uh, initially the uh, the mineral resource estimate was based on uh, forty five square kilometers, and um, then the the updated uh, estimate was based on one hundred and sixty five square kilometers. Um, and the 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 asset there um, now stands at one point eight billion tons, which dwarfs literally the other the other um, uh, producers in uh, uh, of rutile in the world. And two of the key producers, one of them is, is called Sierra Rutile in Sierra Leone, that has an asset of, of eight point one million tons. Um, so it's it's just uh, it's it's just absolutely um, dwarfs uh, Sierra Rutile in size. And that is the second largest rutile asset in the world. So, so of course, from here um, we've got uh, we're already seeing stories um, out there about uh, um, aircraft manufacturers. Airbus, for example, announced on um, uh, at the end of last week that they were looking for new sources of rutile, i.e., titanium, uh, titanium, uh, uh, you know, to to produce the new. Ge- the new generation Airbus uh, fleet um, that will be uh, that will be sold to airlines across the world. So you've got all of these factors, um, and yet the asset has the the asset has to be developed. So there's a very strong case here for fast tracking it. Um, the other factor is that, of course, the uh, the 1.8 billion tons uh, of rutile is also um, joined by uh, 23 million tons of graphite. Um, so uh, along with uh, along with uh, uh, rutile at the asset we also have uh graphite too which of course as we know is a, a key component of the the new generation battery metals industry graphite makes up approximately 40 percent of the weight of a lithium-ion battery so hugely important uh, going forward um so the so these two combine um the they're both in the same piece of ground um in the in the center of malawi um and of course the great thing about the about the region is it's uh, known as the warm heart of Afri- Africa. It's very easy to get the to get the uh, the product out of the ground and to market. the the cost per, the production costs are are very low in comparison. And um, and from the uh, from the um, really from a standing start to develop this as Dr. Julian Stevens said in two years, just two years since initially initially identifying rutile in the ground there is absolutely massive. So uh, it's happened in two years. Um, given the shortage, I, I imagine there's every every prob- possibility or even probability that uh, this asset will be fast tracked for development very quickly indeed. And of course, the, the scale of the asset means it's going to be, um, it, you know, a, 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 a life changing uh, process for a lot of the residents in the area in Malawi too. So it'll create employment, it'll create prosperity, um, and of course, with the with um, the the uh, green uh, with the green um, um, uh, merits of the production uh, um, uh, 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 system that will be put in place there, uh, the Casia the Casia Rutile uh, uh, project will be producing rutile with a carbon footprint some thirty five some thirty five percent improved over existing rutile production at other at, at the other projects uh, certainly the Sierra Rutile project um, uh, uh, being a case in point so it, it's hugely important this um, obviously we've seen a, a big move in the share price off the back of that but um, that still gives the company 
um, uh, that still gives the company a valuation of 340 million um, Australian dollars, um, which is about 140 million, 150 million sterling. So still well off the pace, really, uh, in that regard. Um, and uh, and I think um, if you look what happens, what's happened with other major discoveries like this, you know, I know we keep on referring back to the Great and Gold uh, um, uh, Havirin asset, but that's a great uh, comparison. It's a great benchmark to compare to um, in terms of what happened to the company when that discovery was made. Um, the the market capital of the company rose from some 25, 30 million up to at one stage, one and a half billion. So um, given that the size of this asset, um, I think there's every expectation this could do the same. So although we've seen the strong share price move, I think in terms of the development and the value that's going to be extracted from here and for shareholders, I think we're still right at the start. Indeed, indeed. UK Investment Magazine put out uh, a report very recently which looked into um, very basic comparisons against um, some of their peers. You obviously mentioned there the Sierra Leone asset, which is uh, owned and operated by a a company, Luca Resources, listed uh, in in Australia. And we took uh, results from the the recent uh, initial scoping study by um, Sovereign Metal, which is actually due to be updated now on the back of this uh, resource. And you made some comparisons against the enterprise value. Obviously, with early stage mining companies, uh, you know, there's there's a lack of you know forecasted earnings and such like. So you can only really look at the the resource and uh, you know the scoping studies there. But in terms of comparisons on valuations for what uh, we've now have in the ground in uh, in in Casilla, um, that they were way off the mark on on valuations, and that was even before uh, we had. This, uh, this update there. So that's going to be something that we'll probably have to do a little bit more work on when we get the updated scoping study from Sovereign Metals, um, which uh, is probably going to be due at some point uh, this year. So, you know, we shares trading there at 40p, you know, comparisons made to uh, to some of their peers. And there aren't that many of their peers out there due to the scarcity of the, the asset there. There could be potential upside um, from here. So well worth uh, a look and having an exploration around what titanium rutile is and actually the significance of it. Indeed. If you haven't indeed, heard. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the first step, I would say. Also a good point on the, uh, just on Sovereign there, the um, the actual logistics as well of getting the stuff out of the ground and to market. I mentioned that. Um, uh, so the the assets near to the town of Lilongwe, and uh, there's a, a metalled road down to what's known as the Makala Logistics Corridor, which is uh, which is a major uh, road route all the way out to the deep water port at Makala. So, um, so the, the cost per production there's a, there's a there's a very good uh, a table on the website that shows the, the the net present value of the earlier mineral resource estimate and also the cost per production and the the low costs are partly due to the ease of getting the product out of the ground down the Nakala logistics corridor and of course to the deep water part at Nakala for for shipping to to the uh, the destinations indeed that's that is a particularly important point because you know whether it's titanium rutile or, or, or any resource you may have a a great resource there you know high grades and and all the rest of it but you know if you don't have the infrastructure in place that then becomes a very expensive project which isn't simply isn't the case with uh, what we're seeing at Sovereign Metals, as you just outlined there, you know, particularly low cost extraction 
and then already in place infrastructure makes the the economics of the project that much uh, that much better. So uh, we've had a busy year so far from Sovereign Metals. We've been covering it quite widely, and I'm sure as soon as we get a little bit more from them, we'll be on the podcast uh, discussing that, Alan. So we're going to move on now and uh, discuss the final stock of the day. Now it's one that we um, we have touched on Alan on the podcast previously, but it was it was probably a fair few months ago now. Mm. Um, uh, Logistics Development Group. Now th- th- this this had me uh, scratching my head looking at the numbers. Uh, this morning, when we were we were arranging the, the the podcast, it's had its final results out. Um, I'll let you uh, go, go into the things. So I know it's one you know quite well, um, and then we'll we'll go through the uh, the numbers afterwards. So, so logistics development group. Um, the share price is currently trading at uh, well fifteen point eight p. It's been as high as sixteen point two p on the year, so it's just off those those year highs. Um, but with with very good reason, as um, as you're about to find out, the the shares, of course, um, if you look at the performance over the past five years, they fell off a cliff in March 2020. But they had also fallen prior to that. The company um, was formerly, of course, Eddie Stobart Logistics, uh, and there was a, a funding issue. There was a, a whole, an accounting hole was identified, um, uh, and an immediate requirement for some 75 million pounds was identified which was provided uh, by, by a company called DBay, uh, 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 DBay Investors. And DBay uh, set up a vehicle, Green White Star Acquisitions. They acquired uh, half of Eddie Stobart. Um, and, uh, and, of course, the, uh, the, the company continued to function. Um, through the restructuring, um, in July last year, the company uh, uh, finally uh, disposed of uh, Green White Star Acquisitions following a return to profit, the restructuring, um, the fine-tuning, and also um, headed uh, by Adrian Collins, the chairman, who's um, an investment uh, an investment uh, a, a veteran. Um, uh, he's uh, he's uh, worked previously with Lion Trust and with Gartmore um, and uh, Bahamas Petroleum and others. Um, so Adrian uh, came in and oversaw the, the restructuring. Um, following the disposal of Green White Star Acquisitions, um, logistics Development Group, um, uh, which evolved from Eddie Stobart, uh, um, Eddie Stobart's uh, Logistics, uh, received 120 million um, cash. And what that what that means is that the the company that um, is there now, Logistics Development Group, basically has a cash balance of 100 just under 132 million sterling um, at the end of the year. Um, and uh, it's generated um, it's generated a cash inflow over the period of 125 million. Um, an EBIT number last year, underlying EBIT number of 84.6 million compared to a loss of 11.3 million previously and a pre-tax profit of 84.7 million, again, from a loss of just under 8 million previously. Um, so the company uh, has stated this morning in its full year results, it now has no financial debt and a cash balance of 131.9 million, as I said already, or approximately 19 pence per share. And the shares are currently trading at 15.8p. So this is, I know we do find this, but this uh, this company has cash in the bank. It has uh, uh, it was agreed at the um, shareholders meeting on 31st of January this year to broaden its investing policy, to invest into companies 
and opportunities outside the logistics sector. So we are the, the company's announced its first investment uh, under its new investing policy. It invested six point three million into Care Tech Holdings, and of course, this is the company that owns the um, owns the the care homes uh, uh, across the UK, which uh, um, I think anyone is that knows anything about that business at all. It's incredibly profitable and lucrative business to invest into. Um, So it's seeing a return from this. Um, But the company's now got the mandate to progress uh, investments into other areas, as well as, of course, logistics. Um, And... uh, to in order to try to address the fact that the company's been trading at discount to its cash per share, it's initiated a share buy program to narrow that discount. Um, and um, I just see here that uh, a company that makes the right investments um, and you know perhaps uh, perhaps uh, evolves or works its way into a, a technology position, um, uh, trading at this discount with all that cash, um, I think is going to certainly deliver some decent returns. And um, I I was involved as a shareholder in, in LDG. I did sell out, uh, I did sell out uh, late last year. I'd gone in at about, uh, the shares were down to 4p at one stage. So I got in at that point. So I'd, I'd made a, a decent return on that. But I, I think now, given the transaction that took place in July last year, given the mandate that the company now has from the shareholders to pursue acquisitions in other sectors, I think we could be in for a very exciting ride. So, Alan, I mean, just looking at those figures there, I think that's something we need to sort of drill down into. Of course, you know, market cap around 95 million cash um, that they've said in their final re- results of 131 million. And, of course, no debt with that. Yeah. And indeed, yeah. you know, this, this is a company that's, you know, producing EBIT of uh, 84 million. You know, that, that's pretty much in line with uh, the... Uh, you know the the market cap there slightly under. So those those numbers, yeah, you know, in the context of the wider market, uh, are somewhat ridiculous. You know, to, ha- to have cash in the bank more than the market cap, of course, you know, you can buy you could buy the company and get the cash. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, what 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 do you think sort of happening here? Is this something that's under um, under the market's radar? Do you, do you think it's you know people are looking at it and think maybe it's a little bit convoluted? There's a lot going on. There's a lot happening in the past. Maybe I don't want to get involved with it. I don't quite know what this business is. Do you think that's maybe what some people are, are thinking? What, I mean, what do you think was holding the share price back at the moment? I think it, it's a combination of what has been a very complex uh, transaction to, uh, I think, extricate the business from the position it was in a couple of years ago. Um, and also um, the logistics sector, you know, is it's viewed widely as a, as, a, as a business that employs a lot of capital for very narrow margins. So it's not a particularly se- sexy sector. So um, logistics development group, um, even more than Eddie Stobart Logistics, I think just implies that this is a, log- a logistics company. Um, so, of course, there's no premium at all there for any upside from the investments it makes. I mean, the company could just stick it all into investments and, you know, see a, see may- maybe a dividend return of 10% per annum. Um Covers all its salaries and outgoings, and uh, grows the capital that way. Um, so, so you know, even there, there's a there's a there's a massive sort of gap to valuation. So, um, at some point, at some point, the market's going to wake up and realise that actually there's an absolute diamond of a stock here. And if the investments it makes are correct, um, uh, you know, there, there are companies out there that 
uh, demonstrate uh, very well, despite the high fuel prices at the moment, that the logistics business, um, you know, can be run very well and very profitably. So um, I imagine it's it's a combination of the fact that it's in one of the un one of the unsexy sectors, um, and also the confusion from the transaction previously that's got it to this point that has le- left um, or prompted investors to leave it alone. And also the fact that um, the shares were much lower than they are now. Um, and of course, a lot of investors have got in and taken profits already. I mean, I, I'm one of those. But certainly, you know, um, after looking at these numbers, I, I I did a double take. I thought, you know, how can it be 131.9 million cash in the bank, uh, 19 pence per share, and it's trading at, uh, you know, it's trading at uh, on, on a market cap of 95 million. You know, it just doesn't add up. So so at some point, that valuation gap will be closed. And then I'm sure um, the market will apply, apply a premium to the share price for the activities that the company is now engaged in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if, um, you know, you, you unlock that value in the share price, you know, 19 P, the company said of cash, uh, per share out there with you know the share price trading at 16p a huge disconnect here and I'm sure one that we're going to be discussing on the podcast again um, when we either start to see you know developments in the business or maybe a bit of movement in the share price um, you know in line with uh, you know the cash share and the valuation of the company based on its its underlying activities so just as a recap of the stocks that we discussed today first of all was Twitter listed uh, on the New York Stock Exchange with the ticker of TWTR. It was then, of course, Sovereign Metals with the ticker of SVML. And Justin was Logistics Development Group, which has a ticker of LDG. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.